God is good. He's holy. My past has been erased. And, you know, I, I, when I think of that name, it's not just, a, um, did I put on the name of Jesus? I put on the name of Jesus. But he literally changed my identity. To us, a name is a name, right? We, we think, hey, that's a good name. Or I like how that sounds. Or I like how it rolls off the tongue. But, but when God changed us, when he puts a name on you, it's your identity. When God calls you something, it's who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give him a hand clap. We give you glory, O oh God. We give you praise. You are holy. You are holy. Well, I think right off the top, we'd like to dismiss all of our children. They can head to the back there. They're, um, and our youth can head on back. And I believe anybody who's supposed to be in class is already in class, and the rest of you may be seated. You probably wished I'd have said that first. Um, Donnie, should I go ahead and give this a shot again? or I'll give it one more shot, and then I won't try to distract you. That. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we are in the book of Corinthians, first and second Corinthians, um, this month, and I'm going to flip over there myself. I normally have my bookmark in place, and I have it in Timothy. So let me get over to 1 Corinthians where I'm going to be spending a, a large part of my time, or our time tonight. Um, and I would like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we are going to start right off at the top. Let's see if this thing's going to... All sorts of things tonight. The iPad... There. Now I can read the paper. All right. Um, so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we'll go ahead and start with verse 1, but it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenesis our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that are in every place, Call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on and he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched by him in all utterance, in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, speak to us tonight. God, we want to hear your voice. Oh, God, help me to preach your word. Oh, Lord, as you've given it to me, and Lord, may we be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to talk to you tonight about fish hooks and called to be saints. Called to be saints. And we'll have to see if we can put these two words together here for you, these these two things, but uh, fish hooks and called to be saints. Um, I have a lot of material. I think that I'll cover through it, and I'm not going to try to cram stuff together, but there, there may be some things that we'll have to cut out or 
or we'll end up saving it for next week, just depending on how, how God moves tonight. But um, opening up here in the book of Corinthians, we, we see Paul writing to the church, and, and he uses a phrase that I may have used in a title before, but it, it jumps out at me. He says, to them that are sanctified in Jesus Christ, called to be saints with all in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 4, I see right away, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given to you by Jesus Christ, that in everything ye are enriched. What I see here is Paul had established this church, and, and um, he loved the Corinthians. You can see it in both First and Second Corinthians of how he, he brought, provides correction to them. And his letters to them are letters of correction. He's pastoring them. He's, he's trying to carry them through issues, and, and he's, he's nudging them along. In fact, at one point, he wrote some other letters to them in, between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, and he even made a trip there. And there was division, and there was accusations. And Paul was like, hold on a second here. Th this amazed me, actually. It, it, it struck me. Paul left Corinth, and he wrote a letter back saying, the person that's making accusations and trying to bring division between me and you, here's how you handle it. And then let the church handle it. Why? Because Paul wanted God to be glorified, and he wanted the church to be established and to grow. So even though he wrote a letter to them with forcefulness, a letter of tears, when he was with them, he's like, all of a sudden, let me, let me take a little step back here. Let me, let me not rebuke so hard. So then people are like, well, who you are in person isn't how you write your letter. And, and they took a look, tried to take a little advantage of that. But Paul's mission was for the church to grow. Bishop, I don't know about you, but if I were the Apostle Paul... And a church said, we don't have to listen to you. Wouldn't you want to just step out there and say, hold on a second. I went to the third heaven. I was struck down. I met Jesus. And I spent all this time in the desert. Listen to me. But he's establishing a church. And instead of saying, I am not writing Corinth a letter, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back there and I'm going to start a church in a separate building. That's what I'm going to do. Look at these messed up people. We're going to get it right. No. He loves them. And even in this letter, he immediately starts out saying, I thank my God always on your behalf. And he tells them, you, you guys aren't left behind in any gift. Oh, God's using you, and, 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 and you're mighty in God. And so I see a church that's, man, this must be a great church. We got tongues and interpretation. We got prophecy. We got the gift of knowledge and wisdom and and God's healing and moving, this must be great. And so Paul begins to, to, to talk to them, and he begins to address issues. And some of the issues, are you, to put it immature, I think that would be mild. You know, you guys need to grow up a little bit. Uh, to, to get a little stronger, there was some real eyebrow-raising eyebrow things that, that I'm like, <laughs> that happened in church? Really? We... We got that kind of fornication going on. People think that's okay. And, and yet Paul was saying, hey, I've got to grow you. I've got to build you. You're the body of Christ. You matter. You matter. And so he tells them. He talks to them about who they are. I see his love and his passion for them. And, 
And then he lets them know, he says, enriched by God, that verse 5, that in everything you are enriched by him. I'm going to just pause on that for a minute. God's gifts are for the church. And the church of Omaha is both seen and will see in greater and greater proportion. Tongues and interpretation. Prophecies. You will be used in miracles. You will, you will be used in, in ways that you never thought of in the miraculous. You're like, wow, that's a, that's a supernatural spiritual moment. God's going to use you in other places. Out of this church, people are going to speak in a different language, and other people will, will hear it in their tongue. It won't just be, I spoke in tongues, but, but I firmly believe that, that we're going to see, and, and I've asked God, I'm like, God, let that happen to me. I'll be someplace, and I'll speak in tongues, and someone will say, hey, how did you know my language? And I'll be like, that was God. I mean, this is cool, right? Um, and... Uh, uh, those things where, where you see even the video up here and his brother near and you see the arm grow out. You're going to pray with people and arms will grow out. You're, you're going to see the, the, the blinded eyes open. You're going to see the lame healed. Not just see it and witness it, but God is going to use you to deliver that good news. But it doesn't matter what, how you're enriched in money, prosperity, or in wondrous signs and miracles. It is all because of God. You are enriched by Him. Oh, none of it comes because you were some extra good person. Oh, that's exciting. You know, uh, um, I've lived 41 years, so I feel like I'm 20. I, I feel like I've matured to that level right now. I don't know. You can ask Alicia if I have. Don't ask the kids. They'll give you the wrong answer. Um, but ask her, you know, if, he, if he's quite got there yet. But, you know, I've, I'm, I'm 41, and, and I look... Um, my wife, uh, uh, never, never. She's way younger than me. Um, but she did have a great birthday that held everything in place, so happy birthday. But over those 41 years, I have come to feel more and more, I feel like, man, who am I? Oh, God, I messed up over here. I got that wrong, or I got this wrong. And, and I begin to understand that God will use me or do something in my life, and I didn't do one thing to deserve it. I, there was not, I'll look and I'll think, well, oh, God, you did this. And it's just the riches of his glory. It's just his mercy and his grace. Oh, he's provided and he's nudged and he said, hey, I'm going to do this in your life. And, and I'm like, well, you're, you're, you're going to do this, God? And he's like, yes, I'm going to do this. And, and it's not because that you even need it. I'm just doing it. It's not because you did anything to earn it. I'm just doing it. And uh, um, I've told you guys from the, the platform here of how God had told me he'd give me a raise, and, and, and he did it, and he did it in the face of opposition and obstacles, and, and I kept feeling him nudge me and say, I'm going to do this, and then I felt his nudge, and it was, it is not about the money. It is for you to understand I can do anything in your life and, and, at any time when I want to because I can because I'm God. I'm in control. And so if God has my money, God has my health. And, and I, I live in a house that in 2019, we were at a service. And um, Alicia was there at the service at the start of July and was down in Lincoln. And the preacher said, hey, you know, if there's something that you need in your life or you want in your life, I just want you to speak it out. And, and Kiara, she's nodding her head. She has a testimony that she would share. And Bishop, he has a testimony. And he also has greater things that are unfolding for this church that, that he declared. But 
at the start of July, Alicia said, God, I need my daughter to be in church uh, um, every Sunday. I, I don't want to, uh, um, the issues of agreements to get in the way there, and she needs to be here. And, and God, I want to work in the schools, and she hadn't had a job interview yet. And, and God, we need a new house. And in August, she was working in the school. And in September, we were signing for a new house. And Avery has always been in church ever since that time. And so when I'm mowing my yard and I look over towards the house, a lot of times when I'm mowing, I'm talking to God about something that bugs me. I don't know why it's because it has to be something that bugs me. But I get an hour and 40 minutes or two hours to talk about, to God about something that bugs me, right? And, and I'll, I even asked him the other day, why is it something that bugs me when I'm mowing? I'm like, I'm going to stop mowing, you know? Um, but <laughs> that isn't going to go over very well, is it? Um, <laughs> I just mow less. <laughs> And then the grass gets longer. But, um, but then I'll look over at the house. God might move me to another house. It might be smaller or bigger. I don't know what he has planned. But I can't escape the fact that he's in control. I can't escape the fact that in November of 2019 we moved in. And, and come 2020, I have since I've lived in that house, I have worked more at my job in my house than I have worked in the office building. Uh, um, 2020 would hit and five kids would be in school and, and I would be working and, and everything would be okay. I didn't know any of that was going to unfold. And yet God said, you can't do that in that 1,400 square foot home that's primarily one level. And you guys will be on top of each other. And, 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 and you asked me to do something, Alicia, and, and I'm going to do it. Oh, I, you know, I knew God had done that. But when I stepped back and I... And I Heard the testimony, I was like, hold on a second, that's those testimonies other people have. You have those testimonies. They're for your life. God has enriched and is enriching you. He's enriching you. Well, I better hurry up if I'm going to actually get through all this. God's enriched you. Oh, Paul loved the Corinthians. He loved them and he let them know God has given you everything. You're enriched by God. But sliding back up to that phrase, he said, called to be saints. Called to be saints. That word saints right there, it means different, unlike others. Holy, like in the likeness of the nature of God. Because different from the world. Sometimes when they put these definitions down and I copy them over, I'm like, I need to add more sentences around that. But you're different from the world. We're called to be different. Not just different because, hey, I'm going to dye my hair purple and walk down the street with a big old bone piercing right through my nose. And Yeah, that's different. <laughs> I mean, I see a lot more of that these days, but still it stands out. You know, uh, uh, you, you see some certain kinds of piercings out there and you're like, boy, I think that's going to do some long-term damage. You know, uh, I see some of those and I'm like, I think your ear is permanently stretched forever. That, that's different. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking that you deform your head or, or that you cover your body in tattoos or you wear some crazy outfit down the street. I knew a guy one time used to sit on the sweet street corner and all the cars would drive by and he'd go. Yeah, the whole town knew about it. I grew up in a town of 3,000. That was weird. That's not what God's looking for. Side note, I invited that guy to church. God told me to, and I was like, really? 
that's who we're going to get. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then the police stopped by and said, what happened to that man? Well, he's different. They didn't say because he sat on a street corner. They didn't say because he, he, he wore those other clothes and he seemed flaked off in the head. They said, no, something's different about him. Oh, he's, his life is cleaned up. He's put together in ways nobody else is. Oh, that's the different we're talking about. He's different because he's like Jesus. Oh, we are called to be different and to be like Jesus. Oh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, it says, But as he hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, referring to the Old Testament, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We are to have the identity of Jesus Christ. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't say in your heart or mind, you, you can't tell other people, well, you know what? I'm human. Well, I am human, you know. Well, you know what? You just got to live for it. That's normal. If God says don't behave that way, he means it. If, it's not, if talking bad about somebody is not a characteristic of God, then we're not supposed to do it. If, if you uh, uh, don't like your neighbors very well, so you decide to egg their house... That's not a characteristic of God. Well, they got on my nerve and they deserved it. No, be holy for I am holy. Oh, just because somebody's a jerk to you doesn't mean you get to be a jerk back. Just because you saw your coworker lie or cheat on something doesn't mean that you get to do that. Just because you were down and out and you were trying to make ends meet doesn't mean that you get a steal. You know, be holy for I am holy. Oh, it means that conversation, it's your conduct, it's your appearance, it's your language, it's your attitude. Yeah, we're going to go through things, and we're going to have struggles, but we got a master. And he know what he's done? He has put his spirit within us. You know, Jesus was tempted in all areas like as we are. He struggled. He had to pray in the garden. He went through that suffering, that decision-making. But I've got to go all the way to the end. And when he put his spirit within you, he gave you power to get through anything this world would bring at you. That doesn't mean that if you step out and you're over here and you're like, you pull a Samson, right? And now the world comes at you and it plucks, it cuts your hair, it, it plucks your eyes out. You got over there. Now you're calling on the mercies of God. But when you're saying, God, I'm following after you. Help me to be like you. Oh, God, when you keep that heart like David, and, and when you do mess up, you come right back and say, God, help me. When you keep your heart towards God, you're going to see that he understands, yes, you're still in the flesh and you have to die daily. But that, hey, I'm pulling for you. I'm pulling for you, and, and you're reaching for me, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You will make it. He's going to give you that power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power. Called to be holy, called to be saints. But the next thing that jumps out about at the, or jumps out at me about this is it says, called to be saints. I did a search in Bible Hub. I typed the word saints. It was really hard to do. I went to the top, to the magnifying glass, and I typed saints. And then I looked at all the scriptures where there's saints. Actually, I just typed the word saint. Not saints, saint. 
And I only found one scripture in the book of Philippians that said the word saint, but it was talking about all the saints. And every other place it had saints. And it was always talking in the plural, not the singular. This is interesting to me because if the word saint is to be holy, but it's actually plural, saints, then saints together is part of holiness. That means you can't, when somebody says, oh, he's such a saint, or she's such a saint, if you're really going to be a saint, you have to be part of the saints. You need to be a part of this church. God has called you to be a part of a body. You can't be completely holy and do this on your own. Oh, so I'm just going to have church out of my own house, and I'm going to read the Bible and study it, and and, and I'm going to even put it under my pillow, and it's going to osmosis in. And Because I've met too many preachers and pastors who had it all wrong. So I am a saint. Oh, I'm going to talk right, do right, and, and, and people are going to say, he's the nicest guy. You can't do this on your own. You are called to be saints. Oh, hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Oh, when God calls you and he plucks you out, he puts you into a place called the church. And the church wasn't a building, but it was a group of people. Oh, I know some of you have suffered and you've been wronged and people did you wrong within the church. Oh, I want to tell you today, go ahead and trust Jesus again. He wants to heal you of their, your wounds because you can't do this alone. Oh, he's intended and designed for it for you to be together. He's designed for that. He called you to be saints. Oh, Corinth, that's why I want to drop down here. and um, He says, uh, uh, verse 10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and same judgment. You cannot be by yourself and be joined. You, you cannot not have divisions unless you're with something that can be divided. You need to go ahead and trust the church. Not because I'm telling you, but because Christ is the head of the church. He purchased it with His blood. And He put you into it when He filled you with His Spirit. Amen. Oh, Paul talked to them about all these, these uh, uh, gifts. And as we travel in here and as he writes this letter to them, and he begins to, to unfold things to them, he, he's, he begins to talk to them about the gifts. And not quite in the manner that I think they were looking for. I don't know if what they were looking for in their questions that they had to Paul. But Paul, we're going to see here in a little bit in chapter 11 that he begin, and 12 that he begins to unfold in chapter 12 about the gifts. But first, he wanted to talk to them about being together and that there be no divisions among you. In John chapter 17, we see Jesus when he was praying for us. He says, neither I pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they shall may all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, 
that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou givest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that thou may be perfect in one. That word perfect there means unity. Together. Jesus was saying, how are people going to know you? Well, he's going to talk to us about that we love one another. But that loving one another is that we're one. That we're together. Jesus prayed that we would be one. One. You can't have... You can't be alone and be together. And you're like, well, that's obvious. No, hear me. I know sometimes we go through hurts. We got to walk down that path of recovery because we got to be one. We got to be one. Which makes me want to drive another point out there. If Paul's talking to them about divisions, that means there's issues. I hate to burst your bubble, but when you're around people, there's going to be issues. There's going to be problems. And in the church of Omaha, there is always going to be problems. Now, don't walk out the door because I said that. The reason I'm telling you that is because if you think, well, maybe we can just perfect all of this and we can get ourselves all right and, and we can get the mind of Christ like we ought to and we can get in the spirit and we can get all repented of and, and, and get all holy and get everything right but I need, another saint. I need another person to come in and be born into the church. I need somebody else to be called, come, become part of the saints. We always need to have people coming in that's never heard this gospel before. And so as long as we're bringing in dirty people, there's going to be problems. Why? Because they're going to start out as babes in Christ. And they're going to grow. And when you're dealing with children, you know what? Some days you, as the, the church that's been here a while, are going to wake up and you're going to be exhausted. And you're probably going to get a little crabby. I don't know if that doesn't happen in your house, but that happens to me. You've got a lot going on. You're highly stressed. The bills have to be paid. This thing's coming down at work. The, the, something broke in the house and you got to go fix it. Hey, Bishop, you, you show up to church and you're all set to preach the message and you're like, what happened to the plumbing? What happened to the air? What, why do we have leaks everywhere? Where's these people at? Where's those people at? I thought someone was going to help me. And you're like, how do I get my mind onto the message? And in those crabby moments, I might find myself snapping at a babe that needs to be taken care of. A child growing up in God. And you know the beauty of it is, is God's showing me, hey, there's still something to be worked on. And he allows them to see what it's like to seek forgiveness and also to be forgiven. Isn't God good? I am really thankful for my flaws. Because Jesus has used those to grow me in him. I'm thankful for him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There will be issues. But the church can't be what it's supposed to be if it's divided. And it can't be holy and be divided. And you can't be alone and be totally holy. You know, there, I know there's people in history. I'm thinking of one lady, Oma Ellis, who's, they had to move out to places when there was horse and buggy sometimes and places where they couldn't get to church and there were certain situations but you know what began to happen even in her life is she began to build a church because this is never meant to be alone. 
And this is never meant to be alone. We are meant to have pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, prophets, and we're meant to have each other. Those things, those offices I just mentioned were given as gifts to the church for the body to be strengthened and edified and built up. But there'll be issues. So I want to flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I, I think it's very fitting in light of Paul talking about divisions and in this topic of being saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when you begin to flip through it, right at the start there, you see now concerning spiritual gifts. So you see Paul, he's like, yeah, all right, all right, we're going to address the question on gifts. Let's get to gifts. That's not where we're going tonight. But he runs through and he talks about the different gifts. And, and he talks about the diversity of gifts. And he talks about faith and the working of miracles and prophecies and tongues and interpretation. And, and then in verse 11 he says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to everyone severally as he will, for the body is one and has many members, and all members of that one body, being many, are one body also in Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized unto one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile. Verse 14, he says, for the body is not one member but many. Verse 15, he talks about the foot and says, says Can the, if the foot say, I am not the not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it not therefore of the body? He goes on, he says that about the ear and the eye. And, and he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now hath God set many members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if there were all one member, where were the body? What's Paul telling us here? He's saying, hey... All of you are parts of the body. That gets back to that oneness, that unity. You cannot say, I'm part of this church without fulfilling your peace in the body. Why did Paul bring this together with gifts of the Spirit, the tongues and interpretation and the, the uh, wisdom and knowledge and working of miracles? It, this is not separate topics. He's saying, hey, first off, God's given you tongues and interpretation, and He's given you prophecy, and, and He ends this chapter, and He talks about the offices and the, the, um, the, the, the ministry, but he, He's given these things, why? For you, and for you, and for you, and, and there's members that are, that, are more, that are less comely than other members, members that, that need to be covered up, parts that are a little more sensitive. We, we put up there the game operation. Um. Has anybody ever played the game Operation? Yeah, you get those little tweezers out. I'm really good at that game because I'm an adult. And I, so I can beat all those little kids, especially like three-year-olds. I think I can beat them. You get in there with those tweezers and you reach in. If you take the batteries out, it works even better. It doesn't. But if you have batteries in and you bump that little metal edge, zzz, zzz, whoa, why? <laughs> well, because in the real body... If you get things like what happened to, well, myself, I shot a wire through the bottom of my foot once when I was mowing. Of course, the doctor looked at my foot and said my foot was fine. Um, he said, I don't want to dig any further in your foot because you're fine. And uh, I'm like, well, something hurts there. I don't know what happened, but I was mowing and I was walking backwards and I felt a tingle. Now it's kind of numb. And they're like, well, <laughs> we don't want to cut all those nerves up. 
So I had to detassel corn for an entire month, and a hole began to develop, and it wasn't pretty. And I'm like, something hurts. And I was all set to go back to the doctor. Why? Because on this part of the body that I put a sock and a shoe over, I had a problem. You know what I really didn't care about when I had that problem? How nice my hair looked. Some of you would say I still don't. Um, I didn't really care if my face was clean or not. And I really didn't care about a lot of it, how intelligent I was. Because I was like, my foot hurts. And I can hardly walk. I laid there, I'm like, God, you got to help my foot. Lord, I need you to do it right now. You know, and, and, and I'm laying there, I'm squeezing on my foot. And it was the day before I was supposed to go back to the doctor. I'm like, I see something in there. And I got in there with tweezers and I pulled it out. It was an inch and quarter long wire. It had gone in and bent and all that. And the body hurt down here on the foot. I have fish hooks up there. Little Emmy a couple years ago. I took her camping. I'd like to do that again here. Alicia reminded me of the story. I'm like, it's okay. We can do this again have a different story. We were an hour and a half away from home, and she trots off to the car. And I was like, Emmy, I told you to go that way. <laughs> I sent your siblings to the restroom. You go there. I'll get the car. I get to the car. She's in the back. I'm fine, Dad. I'm fine. I'm fine. She's got it all covered up. I'm like, so I am being the good parent? You're supposed to listen to me, right? <laughs> So I began to be like, Emmy, what's the matter? I'm getting irritated. I gave you a job. Let me see your hand. What are you covering up? Oh, there's a great fish hook stuck right in the meatiest part of her little hand, Mrs. Tiny But Mighty. She had been trying to shove it into a walnut, the rusty thing, and it got stuck right in the palm of her hand, and it had the backwards hook, and there was no way I was getting it out. I thought, man, I can work this out. I hauled her over to the, the faucet. I'm, I'm working it. This old lady, this is the funny part. She comes over, and she's like, can I help you? I'm like, uh, about that time, someone comes over and says, Finn needs help. Oh, yeah, I have a kid in the bathroom. So being the good dad that I am, I'm like, I should stay with the injured kid and send some strange lady in to help my son. Um, <laughs> and Alicia was horrified. And we made our way back to Omaha the hour and a half, and we got that fixed. Well, I want to tell you. That when we were trying the game operation on her hand, the last thing I cared about if she, is if she had beautifully curled hair. I didn't really care if she was nice and smelling good because we were going to go to emergent care and take care of a problem. Do your clothes, are they dirty, are they smudged? I, I, I didn't care about any of that stuff and neither did she. All I cared about was this meaty part of the hand on the thumb. I promise you, most days of my life, I don't get up and say, wow, that's a fine-looking part of the hand, and neither did Emery. But when a fish hook got stuck in there, this little member right here, it mattered. It was the entire focus. I was like, do I want to go to the emergency room in a little town in Iowa that I don't know, or can I drive back to Omaha? So I called. I'm like, they're like, well, is she, is she crying? Is it bleeding? I'm like, no, no. They're like, all right, start driving. <laughs> And I got back towards home, someplace that would be comfortable. Why? Because this mattered. We wanted to take care of it right. And we wanted to get the body back together. We wanted to make it whole. Why, why was I pushing on my foot and working it over? And, and the, night I was supposed, the night before I was supposed to go back to the doctor to get this resolved. Because my foot hurt. And I couldn't do the rest of life quite right without it. And Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. 
And he's saying, man, God has enriched you. And you don't come behind in any gift. And oh, let me tell you about the gifts. They're meant for the body. Because the body is what matters. And he tells us in verse 24, he says, for our comely parts may have no need. I think of that as like right up here, the parts that might, might look better. You know, it might look better for you than it does for me. But, you know, the, the comely parts, right? But then there's, there's parts that are more sensitive in life. Maybe there's an inner organ that, that, that we don't want to see your inner organs, but that thing matters. And if you lost it or you had a sickness there inside here someplace, you would be asking for the church to pray. I've got a problem here. They think I may have to have surgery. Can, can you please pray for me? Why all these parts, they're covered up. They're protected. Oh, I just want to highlight that. Sometimes you're looking at, at a saint or a church member, and you think, well, they're a little sensitive about this. Or, or they seem to not quite have it together like I do. Just because somebody can't handle things the way you can doesn't mean that you knock them down and you trash them. Oh, but what is Paul telling us here? He says, but God hath tempered the body get together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer. Oh, and with it. Or that one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. But what he's telling us here is when you have that uncomely part, that part that, that needs protection, sometimes you just need to reach over and say, you know what, you got this. I, I know things aren't easy right now. I, I know that life is tough, but you got this. I, 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 you're saying, well, Lucas, you, you have it all together. Well, you know what, Joseph? You, you got this. Emily, you got this. And, and we're here for you. I'm not here to drag your laundry out in front of everybody and put you down. No, I'm here to protect you and, and comfort you and help you because you matter in this body. You know, I, I'm not showing off the bottom of my foot to anyone, but, but I'm there to protect it. That's why I wear shoes. I, I need that transportation. And when that pinky toe gets swollen, when you have those two tight shoes, and this happened to me a lot as a kid, uh, uh, I guess I was outgrowing my shoes, and and all of a sudden that pinky toe hurts, you're like, I can't run. I can't do things. I, I, that hurts. And I wanted to protect it, and I wanted to take care of it. Sometimes a, a member in the body, they're not the same as you, and they need protection, and they need keeping. Oh, but I want to echo again to everyone under the sound of my voice, whether you be online, you listen later, or you're in this building. Every one of you is needed. Every one of you is needed. I need you. And if you think you need to be like me, well, Lord help you. But if you're like, I, I want to be like Lucas, well then, Sister Nancy, we wouldn't have you. Because I need you to be you. And you need me to be me. Brother Jeremy, we need you to be you. We need you to fit into the body right where you're at. And when you hurt, I hurt. And I can't ignore the fact that you hurt. And I can't say, well, let's play the game of operation. Let's just cut that part out. You know what they do in the game of operation? When you look at that board, everything on there are things that don't belong in the body. They're foreign objects that aren't a part of the body. The game of operation doesn't say, well, let's reach in carefully with a saw and, and, and tweezers and let's pluck off the arm. 
Let, let's go ahead and we're going to reach down here and we're going to pluck off a toe. That's not what the game of operations is intended to do. What you're trying to do is get out things that, that maybe don't belong. And maybe, you know, I need to go ahead and review the game of operation because maybe there's a heart or a bone in not the quite right place. I might have some of that wrong. But, uh, uh, but when we're doing things within the church, we're not here to destroy people. We're here to help people. We're, we're not here to, to cut you down and... and uh, we're here to build you up. We're here to build you up. And so Paul ends this chapter, and I'm going to be bringing this to the close. Verse 27, he says, But now you are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God has set, he talks about the ministry, set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. He says, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all... Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. He goes on, he says, but covet earnestly the best gifts, yet I show you a more excellent way. And what is that more excellent way? It's what Jesus said in John chapter 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Paul jumps right into it and Corinthians chapter 12 flows right into chapter 13, and, and he goes and he says, Though I speak with the, gifts of the, with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He says, love suffers long. I'm in the New King James Version. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. It is not provoked, thinks no evil, and does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then some of you say, you know, I don't think I can love again. Love never fails. Because when you team up with Jesus and you get his love working in you, I promise you, when you don't think you can love anymore, say, Jesus, help me to love. Because His love led Him to Calvary. His love led Him to pierced hands. His love led Him to say, forgive them, for they know not what they do. His love reached me at my lowest points and saw me for what I could be when I saw myself as absolutely nothing. And so He's asking you today, to love one another. Could we stand to our feet? You see, church, you are called to be saints. You are enriched by God and you're blessed by Him. But when He called you to be saints, He called you to be part of a great and wonderful thing called the church. And the church is known by its love one to another. 
And you may get used in signs, wonders, and miracles. And you may speak prophetic words. And you might be the greatest preacher the world has ever heard. Or at least the person in front of you at that time. But just as we're called to reach the world, you're called into a body. And you're here to minister one to another. And you're here to love one another. I can't do this without you. And you can't do this without me. And so, the first thing that we need, above all else, is love one for another. You know, Paul wrote this letter. He wrote this to the church of Corinth. He was a man that was persecuting, destroying, and on a road to Damascus. And in a moment... In a snap of a finger, God knocked him down from heaven and spoke to him and said, I'm Jesus that thou persecutest. And in that moment, Paul, a great theologian, respected among his peers, immediately all of this world over here, he went from being their lead persecutor to being cut off. And all the people over here that he persecuted were to be the only friends that he would have. How do you go from being my enemy to saying you're all that I got? Paul was at the mercy of the church. When Paul says love one another, he knows exactly what that means. I need an Ananias, and I need a Barnabas, and I need a Silas, and I need a Peter. I needed people to forgive me and love me even when they didn't know me except as the one that persecuted and to see into me. I would like us as a church to go ahead and close our eyes. And I would like us to pray for one another. And as we're praying, if there's someone you want to put your arm around, feel free to. I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes up here. But I want us to pray and ask God, love my church, love my brother and sister, and just begin to pray love for one another. Lord Jesus. Lord, members of this body have been hurt. Members have felt like they don't belong. There are those who feel like they don't have a piece or a part. Oh, God, help us to see one another as you see us. Help us, oh, God, to love one another as you loved us. Help us, O oh God, to be one, even as you are one. And there's no greater oneness than you, God. Oh, God, help my, my brother and my sister. Lord Jesus, grow them in you. Oh, God, bless them with great blessings. Provide, oh God, for their finances. Oh, God, bless their children and their wives and their husbands, Lord, tremendously. Lord Jesus, give them favor in their families, in their neighborhoods, and on their jobs. But most of all, God, let them be filled with your love. Let them grow, oh God. Let them be healed of their wounds. Jesus, touch my brother, touch my sister. God, let us be joined together, one for the other. Oh, Jesus, 
Lord Jesus, love this church. And may, oh God, we, we be healed in our hearts. And may we love one another. God, I pray for the church of Omaha that it would be in unity. And that when people would come into this building, they would find a welcome place and such a love and a unity between each member. And that, Lord, each member would find its place. Oh, God, and grow and be, oh, God, what you've called us to be. We ask all these things in your precious and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, this church of Omaha is going to be something even more special and more mighty. It already is, but you're going to see us unfold into things that God's already envisioned us to be because of your love for one another, your respect for one another, your seeing into each other, not that you're me or I'm you, but that you're who God has called you to be and you matter to me. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Sunday.